0: Dear Heavenly Father, I'm so thankful to be here. Thank you so much for these women. Thank you for the precious children that they bring with them as well. Thank you for those who are serving us with the children. Oh, Father, thank you that this is the day that you have made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Lord, this is a day in which the stone that was rejected has become the chief cornerstone, and you allow us to be living stones being built up on him. Father, we don't come to you as women who have it all together. Lord, we come to you as women who are weak and who are needy. And as needy women, we come so grateful that through the blood of Jesus, you've redeemed us for yourself and you've given us yourself. Father, I I pray right now that you would help to settle each one of our hearts and our minds. Lord, help us to be ready, to be attentive, to listen, and Father God, to just all of us, to put ourselves under your word as hungry, needy children who you so gladly feed and so gladly supply. Father, I pray that you would make this lesson something useful in your hands, something useful to each woman, that it would be your tool to build up each woman, to to bless her home, Oh, Father, please bless the people she lives with, her family who lives outside of her home, as she grows as a woman who prays. Lord, I pray that our church would also be strengthened. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, well, so great to be back with you this morning. Um, go ahead and pull out your notebook. Turn it over. We're always... Going to start here and reminding ourselves of what our purpose is in Wellspring. So the purpose in Wellspring is to equip and encourage the women of Grace Bible Church to shepherd their hearts toward Jesus Christ through or with the Word of God, so that they live gospel-transformed lives, thus strengthening the church in its gospel purpose. That's our goal in meeting together. We equip through teaching, through our Bible reading, through our homework. And we encourage each other through our discussion groups and even serving together over with the children and the conversations we can have and the relationships we have with each other. But we spur one another on to keep battling to shepherd our hearts with the very words of God. To keep battling to live gospel transformed lives. And in doing this, we do strengthen the church as a whole. Now think about that word shepherd when we talk about shepherding our hearts. Suzanne talked about this a few weeks ago. A shepherd is one who tends sheep. um, And good shepherds do that carefully. They faithfully guard and lead the sheep. They sacrificially protect the sheep. And that is such a great word picture for shepherding our hearts. To faithfully guard our hearts. To feed them and train them to obey God's word. Excuse me. It's very dangerous for a sheep, and it's very dangerous for our hearts to be unshepherded. There's no protection, no sustenance, but our good shepherd is Jesus Christ. And so our aim in shepherding our heart is to bring our heart to our good shepherd so that we might receive the shepherding care he has for us And learn to better follow him. And we do that by prayerfully meeting with God in his word. And it's something that we need to cultivate as a daily discipline. And so that's discipline one. Prayerfully shepherding your heart toward God through the word of God, and in particular, the gospel. Now, last time, Chris was here and she taught Mary and Martha. And I know we can all identify with Martha's struggles that's why in the homework this week, we had all those verses about grumbling and complaining, those responses that we so easily have when we're not fighting to shepherd our heart. In fact, it's such a common struggle that in your homework, we printed it on a separate page, that second sheet, um, so that if you want, after you get it back from your discussion leader, you can put it in the resource section of your notebook so that it's there, it's easy for you to review, it's easy for you to um, share with others as you talk to friends or your children about our struggles with complaining. If you ever need a blank copy, you can easily pull that off the website. And I know it was a really long homework and that's hard, especially this time of year, but we do have a break coming up in a couple weeks. Jacob Hantla will be here next time, right? Proverbs 4.23. I really encourage you to be here for that lesson. It is, it is one I just long to hear year after year. Um, but if you didn't finish this week's homework, I really encourage you to pull it back out over your break. Um, we've had used that several years now on Saturday at Wellspring, and I just benefit so much every time to go back and look up those verses all over again. Um, but remember Mary, that was, that was Martha. That was to help us work on, on where we struggle like Martha. But remember Mary, she was feasting her soul on time with Jesus. Now, if there's a part of you that looks at Mary and thinks, well, I'd sit at the feet of Jesus too, if he were sitting right here in my living room. I mean, wouldn't that just be amazing? And yet what we have is no less amazing. We have words that are every bit as inspired as the words that were coming out of Jesus' mouth when Mary was sitting at his feet. And we have God's Holy Spirit abiding within us. In fact, Jesus said in John 16 that it was actually to our advantage that he go away because then he would send his Holy Spirit to dwell inside us. And Hebrews 4 tells us that we don't come before Jesus sitting on our couch. We come before Jesus sitting on his heavenly throne of grace. Shepherding our hearts to come before God in his word and in prayer is to stand on the threshold of heaven, so to speak, and not before the great white throne of judgment, But before our great high priest, who sympathizes with our weaknesses, sitting on his throne of grace, and we are exhorted, let us draw near. That's what our lesson is all about today, drawing near the throne of grace. And when we draw near, we receive mercy and grace to help in time of need such as the tremendous need we have to be ministers of mercy and grace where we live and with our families. And that's discipline too, the home. She ministers to those in her household with her heart for God and the gospel. You know, relationships in our households and in our families are ongoing. We never run out of opportunities to show grace. Our homes are our prime opportunity for serving and loving others with our gospel-transformed lives, whether it's people we live with or people we invite in so that we can show them the love of Christ. And so we must be diligent with shepherding our own hearts so that we are ready to care well and respond well to those in our homes. Discipline three, then, is ministry with a heart for God and the gospel. And fulfilling her ministry within her household, she steps into the church to shepherd others toward God and the gospel. You know, I need to be reminded often that we don't even deserve to be in Christ's body. We don't deserve the teaching, the fellowship, the encouragement, the love. And we don't deserve to serve Jesus and his church. But that is our amazing privilege and our call to be God's instruments in one another's lives. And that's what Discipline 3 is all about. Being involved in one another's lives in meaningful ways to help each other grow. Now, a few weeks ago, before the Mary and Martha lesson, we had a lesson that focused on our heart shepherding throughout the day. Suzanne was here with you, and I was listening to that yesterday. It was an amazing lesson. But today, we're going to look at some of the practical aspects of this discipline of shepherding our heart when we're alone with the Lord. Now, remember, discipline one says she prayerfully shepherds her heart. And so prayer is our focus today. And this lesson is for all of us, whether we already have warm, vibrant prayer lives or if our prayer life seems almost non-existent at times. Proverbs 15, 8 says, The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. Now, by God's grace, believers are counted among the upright because they're clothed in the righteousness of Christ, and there is fruit of that righteousness in our lives. We are in the process of becoming more like Jesus. And the prayer of that one delights God. Isn't that amazing that our prayers delight God? And yet, sadly, prayer is often the part of our devotional life, which can be the easiest to neglect. You know, it's possible to be a woman who reads the Bible regularly, who talks about God and his word, who has a a lot of appearances of maturity, But what if that woman does not have a prayer life? What does that say? How do family members or close friends demonstrate their love for one another, their care and their interest in one another, if they don't talk to each other? Well, unity and closeness require communication. And so today's lesson is primarily about talking to God in prayer. God talks to us through his word. The Bible is where he has revealed himself to us, but we talk to him in prayer. Now, we'll begin by walking through the Gospel of Luke. And so you can go ahead and open up your Bible. We'll start with Luke 3. And we're going to look at the prayer life of Jesus. And then we're going to talk about some practical considerations for our time alone with the Lord. And after that, we'll work on how to use God's word in prayer. Finally, we'll look at some specific components of prayer and some tools that might be helpful. So we're going to start with Luke 3, 21. We're going to lay a foundation for understanding the importance and centrality of prayer in the Christian life. And as we hop, skip, jump right through the Gospel of Luke, surveying Jesus' prayer life, we will see how significant prayer was to him. I have to say that as I dug into Luke, I was taken by surprise. I had never noticed how much is recorded about Jesus' prayer life. So we'll look at quite a few verses in Luke, and I encourage you to write things down like when the verse occurs or the kind of prayer that's described, because that's going to help just track as we go through a lot of verses in this book pretty quickly. So we'll start with reading Luke 3.21. And it says, now, when all the people were baptized, Jesus was also baptized. And while he was praying, now listen to what happened while he was praying. Heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came out of heaven. You are my beloved son. In you, I am well pleased. We have all three persons of the Trinity, the Son being baptized, the Spirit descending on him, and the Father speaking here at the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry. And all of this happened while Jesus was praying. Have you ever noticed that before? Then Luke 5.15, it might even be on the same page. We're going to just dash through Luke to get a bird's eye view of Jesus' prayer life here. And our context in Luke 5 is that Jesus had been healing people. And verse 15 says the news about him was spreading even farther and large crowds were gathering to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But verse 16, Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. So Jesus is popular. He is needed. And what does he do? He slips away to pray and he slips away often. It was the habit of his life. He left the distractions. He left the needs for a time and he prayed. Now turn to Luke six. We're going to start reading in verse 11. But Luke writes in verse 11, but they themselves, he's talking about the scribes and Pharisees, they were filled with rage and discussed together what they might do to Jesus. It was at this time when they were figuring out what to do to Jesus, that Jesus went off to the mountain to pray. And he spent the whole night in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he also named as apostles. So here we find Jesus between the rage of the Jewish leaders and right before the calling of his apostles. It's a very intense time for Jesus. And what does he do? He spends the whole night in prayer. Jesus did that. Even though he was fully God, he had no sin. In the face of these pressing concerns, Jesus forgoes sleep to spend the entire night alone with his father. Now turn over to Luke chapter 9. Uh, In verse 18, once again, it tells us Jesus is praying. And then down in verse 28, Luke writes that Jesus took along Peter and John and James and went, went up on the mountain to pray. So he didn't go by himself this time. This time he took three apostles with him. And verse 29, while he was praying, the appearance of his face became different and his clothing became white and gleaming. This is what we call the transfiguration. His appearance changed. Moses and Elijah appeared. And again, like at his baptism, the father speaks this time saying, this is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. And this all happened while Jesus was praying. Can you see that Jesus' life was saturated with prayer? Prayer was his priority. Now, in Luke 10, Jesus appointed 70 men to go out and proclaim the gospel. In verse 17, they returned to him with joy. And Luke records for us Jesus' words of praise to God. Luke writes in verse 21. At that very time, he rejoiced greatly in the Holy Spirit and said, I praise you, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for this way was well-pleasing in your sight. So when he hears the results of this ministry, Jesus expresses joy and praise to God in his prayer. Now turn to Luke 11. Let's read together, beginning in verse 1. This is where Jesus gave them a short version of what we call the Lord's Prayer, or more accurately, maybe the Disciples' Prayer. Verse 1 says, it happened that while Jesus was praying again in a certain place, after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John also taught his disciples." Seeing Jesus pray made the disciples want to pray. Verse 2, he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. I'm sorry, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. And so he teaches them to worship God and to pray for the coming of his kingdom. Verse 3 says, Give us each day our daily bread. They are to ask God for needs to be met. Daily needs. Daily needs. And so if they're going to ask for daily needs, um, then they will, be need, they will need to be drawing near to God daily in prayer. Verse 4, And forgive us our sins, for we ourselves also forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. So he ends with showing them that they need to be dealing with sin in prayer. Confessing their own sin, forgiving others' sin against them, and seeking God's help for their weaknesses so that they don't fall into sin's temptation. So when the disciples saw Jesus pray, they wanted to know how to pray, but they needed to be taught, and so do we. That's what we wanna do today, to help all of us grow stronger in prayer. Now let's fast forward to Luke 22. Here Jesus is at the last supper with his disciples, the night of his arrest, and beginning in verse 17, Jesus gives thanks, first for the cup and then again for the bread. Jesus included thanksgiving in his prayer life. And then down in Luke 22:31, Jesus says to Peter, whose given name was Simon, "Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And you, and once you've turned again, strengthen your brothers. Jesus is on his way to the cross. And he's encouraging Peter by telling Peter that he had prayed for him. And do you know that Jesus still prays? Romans 8 34 says, who is the one who condemns Christ? Jesus is he who died. Yes, rather who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. Hebrews seven twenty five says something very similar to intercede means that he's praying for us. So Jesus is still talking to the father on our behalf. Now, later in the same chapter in verse 40, we find Jesus on the Mount of Olives. It says, when he arrived at that place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. Now, don't miss what Jesus was doing there. He had prayed for Peter, and now he's telling Peter and the other disciples that they need to pray for themselves. Just because Jesus prayed doesn't mean that they don't also need to pray. Verse 41, he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and began to pray, saying, Father, If you are willing, remove this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. Jesus is praying for himself, and he is submitting himself to the Father in prayer. Verse 43, now an angel from heaven appeared to him, strengthening him, and being in agony, he was praying very fervently. And his sweat became like drops of blood falling down on the ground. When he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping from sorrow and said to them, Why are you sleeping? Get up and pray that you may not enter into temptation. Jesus, in this time of great agony, is still exhorting his disciples to pray even in these hours leading up to his own suffering and death on the cross. Luke 23 then brings us to the crucifixion. Verse 33 says, When they came to the place called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right and the other on the left. But Jesus was saying, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Jesus is on the cross and he is still praying, but not for himself. He's praying for those who are torturing him, killing him, mocking him. Then drop down to verse 44. It was now about the sixth hour and darkness fell over the whole land until the ninth hour, because the sun was obscured and the veil of the temple was torn in two. And Jesus crying out with a loud voice said, father into your hands, I commit my spirit. Having said this, He breathed his last. The last words spoken before his death were to the Father in prayer, entrusting himself to his Father. Prayer matters to Jesus. He prayed alone. He prayed with others. He rejoiced in prayer. He agonized in prayer. He prayed for others. He prayed for himself he thanked God, he submitted himself to God, and we didn't even look at most of the verses where he was giving teaching about prayer. But it's clear that Jesus' life was saturated with prayer, even as the Son of God, even being sinless, he prayed, and he still prays, and he expects us to pray. We saw that, didn't we? Do you see that prayer is all about a relationship with God? And so we've started with looking at Jesus' prayer life because it's very motivating. His love for his father, his love for being near his father, his dependence and submission to his father, his thankfulness to the father. Wow. That's what we want to cultivate. That's what we want to aim for. And that's what's possible because of what Christ has done for us in the gospel. All right, so now let's turn our attention to some practical aspects of heart shepherding. Ah, yeah, heart shepherding, prayer, meeting with God in his word. We're gonna look at some principles and we'll give you some suggestions for how to apply them. And if you already have a very strong biblical prayer life and a devotional life in God's word, and that's going well for you, do not feel like you need to change a thing. That's awesome. Just persevere and press on but sometimes it's helpful to change things up, just to try a fresh approach to some part of our time alone with the Lord. Or maybe there are some ways in which you really need to grow and there are some tools here for you to try. Now in all of it, we need to remember that the point is to draw near to God. Remember Hebrews 4.16 says, draw near with confidence to the throne of grace. So let's look at some practical wisdom. Much of this comes from D.A. Carson's book, A Call to Spiritual Reformation. It's an excellent book on prayer that I recommend. And in the book, he says, much praying is not done because we do not plan to pray. The same thing can be said for reading the word. Now, of course, we don't want a plan that will burden us, but a plan that serves us, that serves to help us draw near to the Lord and to grow, to be more consistent, that kind of plan is extremely helpful. So, what kind of things do we need to plan for? Now, you had some homework questions along that, those lines a few weeks ago. So, you've already given this some thought, especially regarding finding time alone with the, lo- with the Lord during the holidays. So, we'll start with talking about where. Is there a place? where you can pray and read out loud, for example, if that's something that helps you to stay focused in your time with the Lord. You know, some people find it helpful to be able to kneel during their time. Do you, do you have a place where you can do that if that's helpful to you? Or where you can sing out of your Wellspring songbook, if that's something that you like to incorporate in your time with the Lord. You know, for most of us, it really is helpful if we can be alone for this time. It doesn't mean there's not a place and a time for coffee shops or sitting on the couch while the kids are playing a game. Um, sometimes that's just the best opportunity that's available. But that might not, those might not be the most helpful choices on a regular basis. So it's just helpful to think about what's the right place for me to spend time with the Lord. And then it's also helpful to think about when. You know, 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray continually that's the kind of prayer that happens as we go about our day. It really emphasizes that prayer is about a relationship with God. Prayer is, in one sense, an expression of a believer's unbroken relationship with the Father. And I know some of you are really purposeful about making the most of your time in the shower or driving or out on a walk to pray. That is such a precious way to make the most of your time to draw near to God and to care for one another in powerful, unseen ways. We absolutely don't want to make our time alone with God something that can only happen if we have a great big chunk of time. We want to be pursuing God in those small windows of opportunity. Um, You guys have maybe already talked about it on Thursday. We can leave our Bible open on the kitchen counter or open on our desk just to have that constant reminder that we need and want to get into God's Word. And it's right there. We can stop. We can read a verse. We can think about it, pray about it any time during the day. I recently discovered an app where you can listen to the Bible, and I've enjoyed listening to whole books of the Bible while I make dinner. Um, it's just so wonderful that we have these resources. But we saw that Jesus' life also had specific time that was devoted to prayer. When he would go to the wilderness or up on the mountain to pray. To prayer that had a starting point and an ending point. It was time specially set aside to, for prayer. That's what Colossians 4.2 is talking about. When it says, devote yourselves to prayer. It's a command. And this kind of devoted prayer requires a commitment of time. Often it's helpful to tie this time to our time in the word. For me, personally, usually early in the morning is best. But each of us just needs to think through our days, through our weeks, and evaluate when can we plan to draw near to the Lord in prayer. Is it early in the morning? Is it after the kids are off to school? Is it over our lunch break or at night? Does it need to be at a different time on different days? And then it's also helpful to think about how long can I spend? Is 30 minutes realistic for you? An hour? Sometimes more? Sometimes less? You know, something I have found tremendously helpful when I have a limited time for my time with the Lord, less time than maybe I would prefer to have, I set a timer Because that keeps me on task. Those little numbers are just spinning away there. And that helps me stay focused. Like, okay, this time is clicking away. I need to stay on task. I need to make the most of this time to really engage with God as I open up his word. And to draw near to the throne of grace in prayer. And you know what? Even when it's short, it can be a very sweet, intimate time with the Lord. Even if I don't finish all my reading or even if I don't pray for everything that I'd planned to pray for, that's okay. You know, I I can jot down those things I didn't pray for on a slip of paper and put it in my pocket and make those things that I do pray for throughout the day. Sometimes I can get back and finish my reading later in the day. But even if I don't, I have still had time to prepare my heart to walk with the Lord through the rest of the day. And that's what we want to be aiming for. Whatever time you can commit to, I encourage you to make a plan for using it well, for making that to be a fruitful time. Uh, By taking the time to plan, even if it needs to be a flexible plan, we cultivate consistency and closeness with the Lord. You know, God gives us all 168 hours every single week, and we are to be good stewards of every one of those moments. Ultimately, when we don't make time in our day to spend quietly with the Lord, we're making a choice. You know, we live in a culture that tells us we need me time or Facebook or shopping or friends. Our world tells us we need a lot of things that we deserve a break. But we need to turn all of those kinds of me time into God time. That is the break we truly need shepherding our hearts in prayer and the word does take time but we will never regret investing that time even when it's costly now another area where planning is very helpful is with distractions so how can we battle distractions well a few ideas is pray about it (laughs) ask the lord to help you you know i already shared that a timer is helpful to me Praying out loud can be helpful. Praying scripture can help us stay focused. We'll talk a lot more about that later in the lesson. Our posture, we can try standing, we can try kneeling. Um, And it's very helpful to have a notepad handy so that when you come across a version, like, oh, I want to text that to somebody, you can jot it down and come back to it and not let it take you away from your time with the Lord. Or, oh, I forgot, I've got to pick up the kids early today. Just jot it down get it out of your mind, right back to your time with the Lord. It's just good. We need to recognize distractions come and it comes in every season of life. Um, none of us has outgrown distractions and sometimes those distractions have little feet on them, right? They come pattering into our rooms earlier than we expected. Um, sometimes there's training and communication that can help with that. I know some of you have trained your little ones, you know, not to come out of the room till the little hand has gotten to the seven, maybe, um, Maybe you've it, purchased a picture Bible or a Bible on CD that they can listen to. But as you do that training, they begin to catch on that this time is precious to you. That that time that you have with the Lord is something that, they, that you need. And they see how much of a treasure that is to you and that you depend on him. And that's just such a gift to give to them. You know, Susanna Wesley had 19 children. She trained her children that when she was on her knees with her apron over her head, they were not to disturb her because she was praying. Her children learned early in life that seeking the Lord was of the utmost importance. I think maybe we need to bring aprons back. Mm -hmm. So we need to talk with those we live with and come up with a place and a time that works well for everyone in the house. We also just need to each honestly evaluate for ourselves to what extent our electronics help us or hinder us. Um, Some find them to be very helpful, and some find them to be very distracting. We just need to be honest with ourselves about which one of those categories we fall into. And then under various components, the last thing we'll consider is just some different components of prayer. We saw that Jesus' prayer life included thanks, praise, submission, intercession. Um, We want to grow in expressing these same kinds of things to God in prayer. We'll talk more about some of those when we open up our booklet together. But before we move on, we'll talk more about praying for others. Now, we certainly can and should pray for people as they come to our minds throughout the day. But it's also helpful to have a plan for how we can be faithful and consistent to pray for the needs around us. You know, I'll admit there are times I've taken down prayer requests at small group or talked to someone at church and told them I'd pray for them. And then I've dropped the ball. You know, I've never pulled out that slip of paper again, or I've just forgotten about it till I see them again, and I just I haven't kept my word. I didn't keep my word to pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ. And and that's not what I mean to do, but it happens when I don't have a plan to help me be faithful. So I'm gonna share a few ideas. Maybe you have some ideas that you can share with others in your discussion group things that work well for you. You know, some people like to pray on different days for different groups of people in their life. We'll see an example of that in our booklet. Um, You might want to make a list of more urgent needs that you pray for daily and then divide other prayer concerns up, praying for them once a week or every two weeks, kind of whatever time frame works best for you. You could put them on index cards. You could put them in a calendar, in a journal, my husband's grandma was an amazing prayer warrior and she had a Rolodex. Some of you may not know what a Rolodex is. The old thing where you kept track of all your addresses, but she had all her prayer requests on a Rolodex. Now, one idea I got from a friend in my small group recently was to list out all the people by name that you want to pray for. So I'm going to list off some categories of people you might want to be praying for. These are some ideas. The whole point is we each need to decide prayerfully who we want to be faithful and praying for. But I'm going to just list off some categories to maybe get you thinking about people that maybe you haven't thought to pray for. Um, there's certainly our family, our roommates, clients, coworkers, our small group, Wellspring, people you serve with in church, children in next-generation ministries, missionaries, our elders, your friends, government leaders, persecuted believers, unbelievers. The idea is to include the names for which you want to be faithful in prayer. And then this friend in my small group decided to alphabetize the names rather than put them in groups Like small group all together. She alphabetized them. And then she decided that she could pray meaningfully for five people each day. So she put them in groups of five. It takes her 13 days to get through her list. But every day she's praying meaningfully for five people. And she said that has helped her rather than just giving a blanket prayer. You know, Lord, please give the elders wisdom. That is awesome. Nothing wrong with blanket prayers, but it's really helped her. She's really enjoyed praying for Tom Angstead. And praying for his family and for his ministries because his name is on the list, not just in a group of a bunch of other elders, for example. So that was, that was just, a, it was, I, I love hearing how different people do it because it's um, just helps keep my prayer life fresh. Um, you know, oftentimes I found it's helpful to come home from church and get out a sticky note and write down the needs that I heard about in talking to people at church and stick it right on my Bible. So it's there all week long to remind me of those concerns I want to be faithful in praying for. The point is not how we do it, but rather how can we best cultivate faithfulness in drawing near to the throne of grace on behalf of others. Um, So you decide what you're going to pray for and how that's going to look for you, and you can try different things. You know, some of the most encouraging moments in my life have been when others have told me they have been praying for me. You know, one of God's means of grace to care for us and to build up his body is others praying for us and us praying for others. That is what we can do for each other. So now we are ready to talk about using scripture in prayer. D.A. Carson says that using scripture to inform our prayers is how we learn what our heavenly father wants and what he expects us to ask for. You know, God's word is where we learn how to approach God. Remember the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray. God teaches us to pray as we use his word to pray. Now that doesn't mean that we can't just talk to God. That's what prayer is. We can just talk to him. But including God's word in our prayers helps us to learn how to pray according to his will. Now, there are a couple of things we want to avoid when we use God's word in prayer. We don't want to think that just saying the words of scripture like a mantra or a chant or something um, has some special power. The prayer still needs to flow from our hearts out of our relationship with God through Jesus. And any kind of praying needs to be done with deep humility with a deep awareness of how badly we need God, how we even need him to help us pray. But one of the most helpful things about using God's word in prayer is that it teaches us to pray what's true. Um, It's a way for us to learn. So it's easy to say that, but it can help to see some examples. So turn to Psalm 139. We are going to read a passage And then we're going to look at some examples of how we might take what's in this passage and use it in prayer. We'll look at how we can use it to agree with God or to confess sin, to praise God. We'll look at how we could use it to thank God and then how we could plead with God from the truth of the verse for ourselves and for others. Now, if you have kids who went to summer camp uh, with student ministries, you may have heard uh, that Omri Miles led a breakout session on this. And several people shared with me that it was so helpful that I asked Omri, and he said we could use it here. Um, so go ahead, we'll uh, read Psalm 139, beginning in verse 1. Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You understand my thoughts from afar. You scrutinize my path and my lying down and are intimately acquainted with all my ways. Even before there is a word on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all. You've enclosed me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's too high. I cannot attain to it. Now we're going to use verse one and share some examples of how to use that in prayer. So David wrote, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. So we could start with confessing or agreeing with God about the truth of the verse. That's what confess means. It just means to agree with. We could pray, God, your word says that you have searched and known David. You've also searched and known me. That's just taking what's in the verse and agreeing with God about it. Now, all of these examples you'll find are in your outline. So agreeing with God about sin might be the might also be appropriate at this point. If sin has been brought to light through that truth. So maybe something like, Lord, you've searched and known my thoughts, and you know my complaining attitude because that's what's in my thoughts. Lord, I'm thankful that Jesus died on the cross so that I can be forgiven and walk in newness of life. I'm not a slave to complaining. Instead of complaining, I offer my mind to you as an instrument of righteousness. When I'm tempted to complain today, I will quickly repent and turn to thoughts of thanks to you, for your perfect knowledge of me, and I will trust that you are working out my circumstances for your glory and my good. Now, that prayer goes beyond what's in verse 1, but it was prompted by thinking about the truth that that verse contained. Now, how might we praise God from this verse? Well, we might pray, Your ability to search and know me is amazing. No one else can search and know me the way you do. The point is not a particular set of words. We're going to all say this differently, but we're praising God for the truth that the verse contains. Now, what might Thanksgiving looks like? Well, perhaps we would pray, thank you for searching and knowing me. Thank you for revealing this truth in your words so that I can consider and remember the greatness of your knowledge. Now, is that what we would typically thank God for just off the top of our head? You know, not necessarily, But cultivating this discipline of tying our prayers to scripture opens up whole new vistas of truth about which we can pray. Do you see how this can help battle that feeling of lethargy sometimes we get in prayer where we just aren't sure what to pray? Or maybe we kind of feel like our prayers are just sort of a broken record. So we're going to do one more now. How can we plead with God from the truth of this verse? Well, maybe we would say something like, God, help me to believe that you've actually searched and known me the way David believed this. Make me understand how thoroughly you've searched and known me. Please make my unsaved friend realize that you've searched her and you are displeased by the sin you found inside her. Cause her to turn to Jesus for salvation from your displeasure. So that's just one example. Now, to really start to incorporate scripture into our prayers, we need to practice. And so that's what we're going to do right now. We're all going to get a chance to get a little bit more comfortable with taking the truth of God's word and using it in prayer. So uh, we're going to do that using verses 13 through 16 in Psalm 139. So we're going to start with reading these verses together. Um, Verse 13 says, For you formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance. And in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. So I'm gonna give us a little time to each work on this on our own. We're on page five of the outline. And so first of all, we each just need to pick a verse, just one verse, and we're gonna stick with one verse because it's helpful to see how even one verse can be a springboard to a rich time of prayer. And then I want you to look at that page and look at the different areas that are suggested for prayer on your outline and try your own hand at writing out a prayer to god that reflects the truth in the verse that you chose and if you finish with one kind of prayer in the outline you can go ahead and try another you can go in any order and just remember that you're praying even though you're silent go ahead and pray those words that you're writing and lift them before the lord now this might be brand new to you so if you have any questions or you feel stuck you can just wave us down catch our eye or or um, raise your hand And one of your, one of I, Chris or Jamie or Suzanne or me can come and, and give you a hand if you like. So I'm going to pray and ask the Lord to help us pray. Father, thank you for your word that it's true, that it's living and active. Mm -hmm. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Um, Lord, I pray that as now we look at these verses that are the very words of God, they're words that you've breathed out for us. I pray that you would help us just to speak to you from our heart, from our inner man, Lord, to communicate back to you, informed by the truth of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, go ahead and take a couple minutes for that, and then we'll carry on. So how did that go? Anybody have any questions? Anybody feel totally stuck? Um, For some of you that might be really familiar already, if so, praise the Lord. Um, You know, in your discussion group, you can share what you came up with if you want to. It's just often encouraging to hear one another pray, how other people talk to the Lord. But now that you've tried it for yourself, you can do this with verses that you find in your reading when you're spending time with the Lord and his word, or when you review your theme journal, if you started one of those, or with verses in the booklet that you received today. Um, You'll see suggestions for doing this in the booklet, but remember that the whole idea is to just let God's word teach us what to say as we approach the throne of grace. So we've looked at Jesus' prayer life and we've talked about some practical considerations, and we've practiced what it might look like to tie our prayers to scripture. So now we're going to walk through this booklet that you received this morning. This booklet is like a toolbox. Um, there are a lot of different resources here to help us with different aspects of shepherding our hearts and prayer. Um, you might find it helpful to get the PDF off the website and put it on your phone or your tablet maybe, just so you have the resources at your fingertips. I had emailed it to Lori Cantla, who um, helps me on Saturday Wellspring, and I just sent that day, and someone texted her when she was at the grocery store, and she was so helpful. She was able to turn right to it, and there were things in the booklet that she was able to text back to someone who was struggling. So that's available as well. Um, Now, not everything in here is gonna be helpful to everybody, but the idea is to put a variety of tools in our hands so that we have resources just available Uh, When we need help, or a friend, or our children need help. Maybe when we're falling into distraction in our prayer time. Or we need to help getting organized and how to pray for those different needs in our lives. Um, Maybe we find that our current grasp on fighting sin isn't yielding a lot of change. You know, there are just a lot of helpful tools here to address struggles like these. So we're going to walk through them and just familiarize everybody with what's here. So go ahead and open the booklet. The first thing you find after the table of contents is letting God's truth help us pray. Examples. We've just practiced doing this together, but sometimes when something's new, it's clear one minute and then we get home and we think, how in the world did I do that? Um, So there are lots of examples here, including the ones that we went through together. So if you need help remembering how you might use a verse to help you pray, this might be helpful. Um, Or when you're getting started, you could turn to these examples and incorporate them into your own prayers, just as a way to help you learn how to use God's word in prayer. But just remember to make it your own, make it uh, words from your heart to the Lord and not just words that you read off a page. Um, Go ahead and turn then to page six. And it says, preparing to meet with God in his word, you know, opening up our Bibles may not always be what we want to do what we feel like doing. In the moment, a lot of other things seem way more attractive to our flesh sometimes. Sometimes it's our pillow seems way more attractive, or just relaxing, or getting things done. You know, go, 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 my list is long, let's get moving on it. But this is a list of verses which can help warm our hearts to meeting with God in his word and prayer. You know, when it's cold outside and it's dark, and someone builds a great big bonfire, why do we come to that fire? You know, we don't come because we're already warm. We come because that fire has something that we don't have. It has warmth and it has light. And we're cold. But the fire will make us warm. And so why do we open up our Bibles? Because we feel near to God already when we're just opening up our eyes and our head is still on the pillow? Not necessarily, but we may need to come to the Word because we are cold spiritually. We have indwelling sin that drags us all away all the time. But we come to this because it's a flame and we need to get warm. We need its light. So, one way we can warm up our hearts is prayerfully rehearsing why we're coming to the Word. And on this page, there are some verses that can help, us remind, that help remind us why we're coming. Like we just practiced, we can take the truths we find here and form our own prayer to God. So look with me at the very first verse there. It says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does, he prospers." You know, taking some time to think and pray about that verse is going to prepare our hearts to, um, to ask the Lord to make us this kind of a God seeker, to give us eyes to see what we can delight in, to give us eyes to see what we can meditate on, to plead with him to bring fruit in our lives through this time in his word. And there are other resources that can also help warm our hearts to our time with the Lord. We could use our Wellspring Songbook. The Gospel Primer is a helpful resource. Maybe collections of prayers such as Valley of Vision. We could review this um, card that we got in our second lesson this year. There's a lot of helpful things there that will warm our hearts to draw near to the Lord. But the goal is to get our heart ready to meet with the Lord. So that's what that page is there for. Now, on the next page, we see some focal points for heart shepherding prayer. We saw some of these in Jesus' prayer life. These lists are here because it can be helpful to look over these categories from time to time. We might see an area of prayer where we'd like to grow or where we need to grow um, or where it'd be helpful to look at some scripture to help us know better how to pray in a particular area. Now, we'll talk more about how it might look to incorporate these into our time with the Lord in the next section, but first we're just going to make sure we understand what we mean by each of these facets of prayer listed here. So we have praising God. We already practiced that in Psalm 139. This is about worshiping God for who he is, and the only place where we get a true understanding of who he is is from his word. Using God's word to help us worship him helps us to worship in spirit and in truth. So you've got references right here that can help us do that. And these lists are just to get us started. We could easily use verses right out of our reading when we're in our reading time with the Lord. Um, In fact, a great way to stay engaged in your reading is to read a section and then stop and worship God for what you saw to be true about him in that section. Um, And that can also just help plant that truth in your long-term memory so that you're thinking about it more throughout the day. But this book is yours. You can write in additional references that you find. Um, But another focal point for heart shepherding prayer is battling sin. You know, Spurgeon said, light thoughts of sin breed light thoughts of the Savior. And that's why we want to think rightly about sin. We want to think rightly about sin so that we think rightly about Jesus. And rehearsing truth about sin in prayer is a powerful tool for battling temptation. Remember, Jesus taught his disciples to pray, lead us not into temptation. And so you have references here to give you fuel for praying about sin's offensiveness to God. That's the first category. We need to remember that our sin angers and grieves our Savior. And there are also verses about sin's power to entangle us, Remember what the gospel has done. The believer has been set free from slavery to sin. So a believer will never be enslaved to sin in the manner that she was before she was saved. But sin can entangle. We can be tripped up in it and overwhelmed by it. That's our mixed condition. Now that's very different than what we were before. But this present condition is one in which we must not forget sin's power to entangle us. And then you see there are verses to pray about sin's danger. Sin is dangerous. Jesus said it's better to radically amputate sin than to go to hell. Sin is not a toy to play with. It's not just a mistake. It can kill us. Apart from Jesus, we would perish in hell forever because of it. And agreeing with God about that in prayer helps to strengthen us in our battle for holiness. And, um, you can see that we had to add a little section that got cut off. If you happen to get a book that doesn't have a sticker that says my sin is deceptive to me, let me know. I have more stickers. Um, but that next set of verses remind us that sin is deceptive and sin deceives us with things like this. It tells us, uh, it's not that bad. I won't do it that long. I'm in control of this. It's not that offensive to God not as bad as what somebody else is doing. I certainly won't let it entangle me. Sin is easily deceives us about the seriousness of our sin. So if we don't fight to have scripture's view of sin, we'll easily be taken in by sin's deception and become unconcerned about sin's nearness to us. We'll be vulnerable to sin's entanglements. Sin will become tolerable and even desirable. To us, before we know it, we can just become weaker and weaker toward our sin. We easily become protective of our sin and even justify our sin. If we do nothing, our view of sin only grows cloudy. So there's huge protection against sin and strength for battling sin in agreeing with God about the nature of sin on some regular basis. Maybe it's daily, maybe it's weekly, just reviewing what God's word says about the danger of sin. And then your next heading um, just gives some more verses about sin in general. And then we come to a section that says repenting of sin. These verses help us identify sin and instruct us in confession and repentance. They help us identify not only what we need to turn away from, but also what change looks like. And just like we practiced, we can take a look at the truth in the verses here and then use that truth to shape our own prayer. Now, farther on in the book, we'll find more tools which can help us with repentance. But anytime we're dealing with sin, we need to keep the gospel close at hand. And so you see there verses for rehearsing the gospel. Now, why would we do this? Why would we preach the gospel to ourselves? Well, because it's God's power in the gospel of Jesus Christ that has made us acceptable in his sight. That's the only reason we can come before his throne. And rehearsing this again and again to our own hearts allows us to prayerfully communicate to God that we love his work in our life through Jesus Christ, that we are earnest to grasp more completely his love expressed in the gospel. And if we stagger some days under the weight of our sin, the gospel will lift us up, and remind us of our hope. And if there are days of gospel growth and gospel success and gospel progress, rehearsing the gospel will remind us that all of the credit goes to God. In both instances, rehearsing the gospel draws our hearts and our thoughts back to our savior. So um, prayerfully rehearsing the gospel is an opportunity to redirect our thoughts Um, and our lives to live in light of Christ's work on the cross. Um, Okay, next you see then Thanksgiving. Now Thanksgiving is commanded over and over in scripture. It offers protection against anxiety and discontentment as we take note of the evidences of God's grace, his provision, his kindness, and everything from the really big work of salvation down to the little details of our lives. In fact, you got an opportunity to practice that in your homework this week. These verses give us many reasons for thanks, many ways to express thanks, and many benefits of thankfulness. And then finally, you see there verses that are titled, Praying for Myself and Others. This is where we lay needs and burdens before the Lord and express our reliance on him. Now, we already talked some about how we could organize those needs, whether we pray daily, weekly, or maybe even monthly for different needs. But these verses can help us know how to pray for others. They help us to pray according to God's word. And then on the next page, you see there's just blank space for you to record additional verses, whether they're verses you want to write out or you just want to put the references um, that you find for different areas. Now, that is a lot to digest. Okay, take a deep breath. (sighs) We're still all here. We're together. Um, But beginning on verse 11... These, uh, there are verses that are laid out for these areas of prayer um, for each day of the week. We've taken verses from the le- lists that we've looked at and spread them out day by day. And remember, this is just a tool. This is something that some people are going to find really helpful. Others are going to say, eh, that's just a distraction for me. I'm not going to use that. And that is A-OK. Um, you might want to take what's down here, say on Sunday, and pray through that over several days rather than doing it all in one day. Or maybe you realize, you know, I really want to start incorporating rehearsing the gospel in my prayer time. That's not really a regular part of my prayer life. That's something I think would be helpful for me to add. So maybe you just make, part, make use of that part of, of what's listed here. It's just there to serve you, whatever is helpful. But I want you to notice that the last section is called praying weekly. Um, There on Sunday, it says uh, praying for my small group and ministries in which I serve. You could write out the names of those people or put them on a sticky note and add them here. Um, But each day, there's a different focus under Praying Weekly. Monday, the focus is on evangelism. Tuesday, it's government, world events, things like that. Wednesday, it's missions. Team PNG and others who are involved in global ministry. Um, you know, we, we want to be a church. We need to be a church that supports our missionaries well. You guys know those ladies personally. They've been here with you um, this year and probably last year as well. So this is a tool that could help us be faithful in praying for them. Um, Thursday has miscellaneous needs. Friday has our extended family. And then Saturday lists some ways that you could pray for Grace Bible Church. Tom Angstead um, took the time to write these out for us. And then each week, you could go back and just cycle through and pray for those things again, if that's helpful to you. And that's just one suggestion. There's no expectation, again, that you will pray this way. But what I do plead with you is to be faithful in prayer, however that works best for you. Um, Please pray for our missionaries. Pray for our church. Our church just sent three families to the other side of the planet. We just bought a building. We need... The grace and mercy that Christ has for us as we draw near to him on his throne of grace. Well, then on page 25, you see praying through Titus 2. I talked with somebody already about that this morning. We talked about that when we taught the Titus 2 lesson. You know, there are a lot of times when we don't see growth in an area of our lives unless we're thinking and praying about it regularly. And that's just so frustrating, you know, to know that we need to grow, but we don't see a lot of progress. Um, So this page right here has Titus 2 written out at the top of it. It it lists some ways that you could pray about it, and then it also lists out all of those qualities from Titus 2. And again, it's just another tool. You can use it to the extent that you find that to be helpful. Um, On the next pages... Um, you see a gray circle and then the next page is a blue circle. If you were in Wellspring last year, those are familiar to you. If you are new to Wellspring this year, don't worry about it because Tom Angsted will be here with you in April to teach the lesson that those go with. But they are a really helpful tool. Once you hear the lesson, you're going to be really glad that they're right there in the middle of your book so that you can refer to them. Um, okay. Now, on the next page, then, you see What is Repentance by J.C. Ryle. Now, Tom Angsted again, such a blessing to be shepherded by him. He suggested that we include these pages. You know, sometimes believers get discouraged in their repentance. Um, We might feel, again, like we're not making much progress. Sometimes that's just because we want to be done with it, right? We don't want to be in a process. We don't want to be in a mixed condition. We just want to be, boom, done. Um, But But we are in a process, and part of that process is that we are in an ongoing battle with sin. And part of growing in that battle and making progress in that battle is making sure we have a good understanding of what repentance is. So I want to read the first bullet together. It says, Repentance begins with the knowledge of sin. Sin is essentially our futile attempt to dethrone God from being our highest pursuit, love, joy, and delight. Sin is substituting primarily ourselves in God's place as our highest pursuit, love, joy, or delight, whether that's in our thoughts, our words, our attitudes, our deeds, our desires, our relationships, or our emotions. Repentance begins with understanding this. Do you? Now, doesn't that just cut right to the root of our sin? And the rest of these are just like that. There is a lot to be gained by coming back and reading these on our own. There is a lot here to strengthen us in our battle with sin. Now, the next page is to help us prepare for temptation. Now, remember, when we looked at Jesus' prayer life on several occasions he exhorted his disciples to pray that they not fall into temptation so what we do to prepare for temptation is a significant part of our battle with sin now we're not going to read through all of this together but it's again very worth coming back to on your own chris said i could give this to your assignment when you're on break come back and read this book Um, i have found it really helpful i turn back to this page this page in particular quite often in part because it reminds me that resisting temptation is not complicated. It can be hard, but it's not complicated, and I need to remind myself of that and pray about that as part of my battle with sin. Now, we're almost to the end. Uh, the last tool in our shepherding handbook is a recovery plan. You know, it's so easily easy not only to fall into sin, but then also to respond unbiblically to our own sin, to wallow in it for a while, to feel weighed down with the guilt, to give up, to wrongly think that we have to deserve for God to receive us back into close fellowship with him again. You know, that maybe we just ought to feel rotten for a while just to prove that we're sorry. But none of those responses reflect what Christ did on the cross. It's really, really important that we understand and believe that the most God-honoring response to our own sin is to turn back to God in repentance, immediately, right away, to receive what Christ has done for us on the cross and to walk in newness of life. And this recovery plan lays out what that could look like. It doesn't have to look just like this, uh, but there are some really helpful principles here that can help us turn away from wallowing in our sin and guilt and get our eyes back on Jesus. And again, it's a tool. If this is an area where you want help, or someone you know would like some help, you might want to give that a look. Um, and then finally, you have a couple blank pages. You know, if you, if when you pray, you find that the things you're praying for changes from time to time, you might want to put those on sticky notes and put them back here. And then it's easy to update without having written all over your book um, and having to erase it or something. Um, but so that, that's what's in here. Are there any questions? If you have questions, please ask any of your teachers here on Thursday or feel free to call me or email me. Um, you know, these, again, these are tools, they're suggestions, they're things to try, they're things that might enrich our time of drawing near to the Lord. Um, but in the coming days, we need to anticipate that we may get discouraged by failure to live up. Our own expectations, right? Maybe you're already feeling like that. Maybe you're already feeling like, eh, why can't I keep up with my reading plan? Or I didn't finish my homework again. Um, maybe we're, you know, just really easy to be discouraged by our own lack of faithfulness in prayer. But that's one reason why we come together. It's so that we can encourage one another, that we've got to keep fighting for this. If you just need to be faithful with what you're already doing, it's going well, then do that. Be encouraged and encourage others to persevere. And if you need tools to make this discipline fresh and fruitful in your life, then give these things a look. Um, but to close, we're going to read together the letter that you received when you came in. It should be at the back of your notes. It's on white paper. This is a great summary of why this all matters. It's not just about us individually. God designed us to need each other in the body. And so we shepherd our hearts. We meet with God. We preach the truth to ourselves throughout the day so that we're ready to shine the light of Jesus to those around us, beginning in our homes and beyond, living humble, authentic lives of dependence on Jesus. So... Follow along as we read this. It's a little long, but it's just so good. I really hope that this is helpful to you. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, I need you. I need you to help me. I need you to live your life in such a way that it intends to draw my attention to the glory and greatness of God. I beg you not to sleep in tomorrow morning, but instead to get up and read your Bible. Discover afresh the beauty of God in the sacred text. Dwell upon his faithfulness to his own promises. Muse upon his glorious gift of grace and the salvation of sinners like you and me. Write the word of God upon your own heart so that it produces reverence for God. Also, I urge you to spend time on your knees in prayer. And whatever you do, don't fall asleep. Please, uh, don't let your mind wander. Don't stop praying until you start praying. Drive yourself into humble submission before the great and infinite reservoir of grace that you might find help in your neediness. As you leave and go about your day, please preach the glories of the gospel to yourself. Tell yourself afresh of the glorious gift of grace, the Lord Jesus Christ, that incarnation of holiness and love. Hear again the words of John the Baptist, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Watch him obey the law in your place. See his perfection in both speech and in deed. Hear him say afresh, I always do what is pleasing to my father. Watch him march resolutely to the cross to purchase our redemption. See him pray for his executioners, evangelize his fellow crossbearers, gasp for breath, commission his disciple, proclaim it is finished, and then give up his life. See him here and marvel. But don't stop here. Run with the disciples to the tomb and stoop with them and see. See the linen cloths by themselves, and you too come away marveling at what had happened. Rejoice at the reality of the living Savior who has given his life to vindicate the glory of God and rescue a people for himself. Now, as you leave, sing the doctrinal praise along with Paul. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, in tune with Peter. With joy inexpressible. And now, believer, come and talk to a Christian like me and tell me something. Tell me something eternal. Give me something for my soul. Tell me what impresses you about Christ. Tell me of the gospel's power. Tell me of Christ's success as a high priest. Tell me of his impending return. Tell me of the divine purposes and trials. Tell me the perseverance of the saints. Tell me of the ultimate success of the church. Tell me God's gracious work in your life. Tell me of the purity and power of the word of God. Tell me how you're praying for me. Please, I need you to do this. My heart needs to hear continually of why Christ is so great. So please, Christian, don't forget to tell me. Please be a good friend. And by the grace of God, I will return the favor to you. Let's pray. Father, thank you again that at the end of the day, Father, having covered so much, having talked about Jesus' prayer life, having thought about practical considerations that we need to consider because we are in this mixed condition, Lord having practiced using your word in prayer, having looked at these different tools for shepherding our hearts. Father, at the end of it, it's still all about drawing near to you on your throne of grace. That's only possible because of what you have done for us through the cross. Thank you for the amazing, unspeakable privilege of being your children. I pray that you would let this lesson be useful and fruitful in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.